Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Lots to look at. No surprise, tomorrow brings us a couple big USDA reports. So a lot of positioning that we've seen within the trade today. Some negative numbers happening on the corn and the beans. Did see some upside, though, to the wheat complex. And we're going to dive into all the factors of today's trade with Mike Zuzalo. He's with Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, no surprise, pre-report day. It always makes for an interesting trading day. Jittery, jittery. That's the best way to describe it, Susan. You know, it's interesting because not only have we not been able to find a rhythm in this market, mainly because of still feeling the aftershocks of Friday's uh, um, uh, killing of uh, Iran's number two terrorist, um, that really shook the commodity markets, and that spilled all the way into this week. And I think we're still working through that. And so not only do we have that, but now we have fresh news that the Chinese vice premier is headed over to sign the phase one trade agreement next week. We're on track for the January 15th signing. And amongst all that is this massive data dump that we're going to get tomorrow from USDA. And I think today you brought up the wheat in your, your intro here. Um, I think today we felt the wheat winter wheat seedings come to the front of the class uh, in in my mindset, because I think the grain stocks report, winter wheat seedings report, always kind of the last two in the classroom. Everybody looks at what's going on with U.S. supply demand and world supply demand, especially with South America trying to make their crop this time of the year. But I think when the weather shifted earlier this week to a drier bias, and then this last 24-hour round of models has moved into an even drier bias and now a colder bias, which makes sense, with a winter pattern, I think the trade started to think about, well, the pre-estimates on the trade for winter wheat seedings is actually below last year's almost 100-year low. So I think that's where wheat, wheat was very good to take the leadership role again. I welcome that very much. Looking at that uh, report for tomorrow, and you are right, I mean, there's going to be a lot of numbers thrown at us. Not only that, we did see a report that got delayed because of the little bit of snow that they received in D.C. earlier this week. So producers are really going to just see a lot of flying around on this trade. They, they are. I think there's two things that I would point out about this report that I'll be looking at other than the wheat continuing its leadership to the upside because that naturally, as we've talked about, kind of takes care of the U.S. dollar. If the wheat's leading higher on a strong U.S. supply-demand report uh, or on a weaker dollar, I'll take either one of those two. Uh, we see this month, like we've seen many months in the past, where soybeans have taken over as the long side of the spread against the corn. Again, this happens almost every month for the, as far back as I can remember in 2019. And yesterday, the November beans, the 20 contract, was able to get to a two, almost a two and a half times premium corn. That strongly suggests to me that the trade's not worried at all about the corn as far as a lower supply. And that really surprises me given the harvest progress numbers this year. So, if there was going to be a bullish surprise in the market, both, both based upon where the trade's trading price-wise on the spread and what the fundamentals look like to me uh, globally and with our U.S. harvest progress, it would still be in the corn. And probably the second thing I would bring up is I run an elasticity price model that tries to anticipate where the futures market is trading, essentially the funds where the futures market's trading, heading into a report. And Susan, at a 385 corn price, we're still stuck around a 2 billion bushel carryover in my model. And in the soybeans at 935, 
we're stuck around a 650 million bushel carryover. Wheat, however, at 560 in the soft red contract is right around a 900 million bushel carryover. So this report would suggest to me going into it that the trade has accepted the pre-estimates for wheat, but it's wide open when it comes to corn and beans. Well, that definitely could be make for uh, an interesting uh, type of trade. And I guess the way I'm trying to think of it is we're going to see that kind of knee-jerk maybe reaction from the algorithms as they get to digest that report faster than the human brain can? That's exactly right. And we're going to see extra um, an extra amount of knee-jerk reactions because we are getting literally about four reports when it comes right down to it. We'll get the grain stocks, winter wheat seedings, U.S. supply demand, and then global supply demand. And with an extra emphasis on U.S. harvested acres and U.S. yield uh, when it comes to the corn and beans. So you're absolutely right. There, there's a lot of volatility that lies ahead that we'll probably go all the way into. And I tend to not like reports on Fridays because it gives the market uh, not enough time to really digest everything. So it'll open up a lot more volatility when we come back next week. I think for the medium-term producer, rancher that I work with, um, I'll take the volatility, but really what, at the end of the day, I care about is to figure out, if I can, whether USDA is on track with the supply side and our harvest problems and our planting problems from this past year, if they're on track with an increasing demand base that we will build because of the Phase 1 trade deal, or whether the trade is still very, very skeptical of the Chinese being able to buy $40 billion worth of U.S. exports. That's actually something I've heard more of this week and uh, actually did an interview with Reuters uh, yesterday, um, them coming back around wondering whether that's even possible to get to $40 billion in light of the news report that China's ethanol mandate, that 10% ethanol mandate they were going to put into effect this year, they're going to pull back on. You were uh, definitely reading my mind. That was my next question. Could we see some benefits, though, coming our way because they didn't reach that mandate that they said they would. I think so, and I think it also suggests, and I I heard from a producer in central Illinois after the news came out that I talked to periodically, and he said, I told you those Chinese didn't have the corn stocks that they thought they did or that they led us to believe, and it's not double the supplies that they think, like we put in the report a few months back. I think this all goes together, and this is where the long term comes together, uh, hopefully after this January report. I, I, I would also caution everybody that as you get to the January report, don't forget that sometimes the January report is a letdown. We have got more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. So. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We continue our conversation with Mike Zuzalo. And just a reminder, we're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, USMCA. I have heard more comments coming out of Senator Chuck Grassley in the last probably 48 hours as he anticipates getting this done. But everything is holding on these impeachment files. But markets, yeah, and I, I think that's that's a big, big deal, isn't it? It is. I was going to say, how much as you look at this, are the markets watching what's happening, knowing that we have all these other reports coming at us tomorrow? Well, I think this is where the trade will go immediately from the report and the signing of Phase One to looking for a reason not to rally. I mean, that's that's kind of how we are in the commodity sector right now, and I say that on a day that the uh, stock market here in the United States just made a brand new all-time high. The, the trade very, feels very comfortable taking the equities markets higher because 
They know they have the Wall Street and the Fed and, to a lesser degree, government regulations on their side when it comes to that. And what I mean by that is, is the ethanol issue when it comes to corn, uh, Susan. And this is where I think one of the biggest disappointments in, in my analysis in 2019 was the corn market not finding the upside potential uh, after confirming the lower carryover numbers of the past couple months and and not so much what happened in the spring i felt like that was uh that i handled that very well but the later part of the year we didn't recover and a large part of that was because of the ethanol market and a large part of that is directly tied back to usmca so if we get usmca signed and what i'm hearing from senators like uh, lindsey graham is that this uh this uh impeachment trial is going to be over within a week and then they're going to be on to things like usmca if we could get usmca done in the senate by the end of january uh, i think ethanol will benefit dramatically from that but 2019 was not favorable to ethanol mainly because of usmca and mainly because of the uh, biofuel requirements with epa and usda we just couldn't get that put together right so that it was supportive of more blending of ethanol and the E15 mindset and even the E50 or E85 mindset that the president was pushing out there earlier in 2019 never took hold because the EPA and the USDA really could never get uh, get together and, and go and, and support the ethanol industry. And as a result of that, we're seeing an ethanol industry that is essentially changing hands. Um, many companies either looking for a buyer or have already divested from ethanol. And that's a real shame. That's a real domestic uh, demand uh, shame, in my opinion, as an analyst. Wall Street Journal in an article, is the tides turning? As far as? The livestock and the trade that we're seeing? I see what you mean with the protein side of the equation. Yep. I, I think so because I think the Chinese did release this week that they're going to import more pork. They also said they're going to go ahead and release more domestic cold storage stocks. I don't think they have a lot of cold storage stocks left, and, and I actually talked to a client uh, whose good friend is a pretty sizable investor in Chinese pork, and he was just over there last week. They went to a fairly large Chinese city and went to a restaurant, and pork was off the menu. They said well, they didn't even have the pork uh, to be able to serve. And so I, I think that you've got a real hole in the supply over there in China that's starting to be uh, seen, and, and the bigger media, the national media, is starting to catch wind of it. I've seen articles in the Wall Street Journal and the Financial Times this week, and whenever that kind of information finally gets to those kind of newspapers and media outlets, it's a big enough deal that the rest of the world's going to find out pretty soon. Cattle market, I mean, we, we started out the week with a big bang, waiting for this cash, and it just kind of continues just to drag on on the quiet side. Yeah, and I don't look for that to change much because two reasons. We, we are starting to ramp up again on hog kill. We're, we're getting close to that half a million head a day number for hogs, and the packer break-evens, as uh, tracked by Hedger's Edge, is back to about even with the, with the cattle per head, whereas the hogs are up around the $30 plus mark per head. So I think because of the seasonals, the uh, supply of uh, U.S. pork and, and the uh, retail prices for U.S. beef right now, 
this 124, 125 level in cash cattle seems to me to be a good area to start getting letting go of uh, first quarter uh, marketings and, and not to hold marketings back anymore. I was very pleased to see the weights pull back a little bit on the dress basis on the weekly kill last week. All right. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Mike? You know, I've got a six-month uh, subscription that I'm running that's 25% off the normal price, Susan. So I would recommend producers get on the website, look for the tab that says subscription, sign up for a six-month subscription or for $140, and see exactly what kind of information I provide and whether that information doesn't help your farm or ranch. So go to globalanalytics.biz or call me toll-free, 866-471-2588. And just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.